Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to another special episode of IndiePod. Each and every episode that we do, or I guess each and every special episode that we do is an entirely different topic. We have done like uh, under the radar games. We did an episode about our 2022 most anticipated indie games, but me like a dumbass, and as Eldar has told me, a true podcast host, I accidentally deleted my audio and have to record an entirely different episode. And for a while, I have been wanting to sit down with my old friend Eldar to talk about NFTs and gaming because I have, like, you're one of the only people that I have seen. And obviously, there's <laughs> it's probably just me living in, like, an echo chamber. You're one of the only people I've seen who, I swear, every industry person that tweets you pop up and you're just like eh, it's not necessarily true and it made me really excited to talk about nfts with you because basically the only things i hear is people shitting on them. i i don't know anything different before you were talking about how you're more from like a neutral stance and everything but before we actually get into the topic of course i want you to introduce yourself how how would you explain to the, I guess, wide world of gaming who you are again? Because, of course, if people don't know, you have had podcasts in the past, even with me. So, Eldar, how would you explain yourself? Yeah, man. Um, so, yeah, you and I have a history of recording. We we did the uh, Eldar Talks Games podcast um, for a few months, and we put out, I think, 20 hour-long episodes where we talked about everything from The Witcher to you know, indie games, which is your specialty. But um, so about me, I, uh, I'm a game developer. I worked at Gearbox and People Fun in Texas. And I'm currently at Polygon Studios, which is a um, which is the brand offshoot of Polygon, the um, cryptocurrency company, um, the decentralized cryptocurrency company. Polygon Studios is the blockchain gaming and NFT and metaverse um, side of the brand. And so I work there as a producer and a uh, content host. So um, I'm currently hosting the uh, Crypto Arcade podcast. Episode one just came out yesterday with my uh, with my co-host, Dan. And uh, yeah, we talked about like some of the positives of, you know, NFTs and video games and how blockchain can, Ooh. you know, um, promote games. Uh, spoiler, I, I take a pretty neutral stance with NFTs. I was really excited about the concept of NFTs um, maybe about a year ago, whenever people were starting to talk about it a little bit and artists were, you know, a little bit curious about what an NFT was and how it could benefit them. And, you know, I, I was really excited then and I, I minted some NFTs of my own. But uh, ever since then, I think there have been some strange occurrences in the space that, you know, make it easy to hate, which I totally agree with. But then I think there are some positives, and we'll talk about those later. But uh, but yeah, I'm an avid gamer. I love indie games and um, AAA games. I lean more towards single-player games. Uh, right now, I'm just kind of playing through some old Assassin's Creed games for the nostalgia. And uh, I just replayed The Last of Us Part Two and trying to platinum it, but I'm one trophy away, and who knows if we'll get there. But uh, but yeah, man, that's me in a nutshell. That's, that's really it. I do have to ask, so you, like... 
I, I've known you for several years. Ever since you did your Fireside Chats episode with Colin, I knew of you. And then after that, we, of course, like a couple years ago, started talking about things. But there is a weird change. And I say weird, like obviously that's subjective. But you used to have an entirely different Twitter account. And then you moved to a new one and almost exclusively talk about cryptocurrencies. I have to ask, what is up with the, like, I guess change is is moving to polygon studios what made you so interested in crypto uh no i got into crypto whenever the news cycle regarding gamestop and amc and you know nokia was a thing i think back in maybe january (laughs) of last year i was like man what is this and as somebody that owned some gamestop at the time i was like wait did i just get a little lucky. And um, I was like, okay, this is pretty cool. So I started going down that rabbit hole. The reason I have a brand new Twitter account is, which I guess is weird, right? In in this day and age, a lot of people don't do that. I'll tell you the story of why that <laughs> exists. The switch from, well, okay, I don't know where to start. I'll be as open as, as hell here. One, when I was Feel about free to be. 22 years old, I was doing some music production. And, you know, I was on SoundCloud and I was putting out, you know, remixes and like doing like video game music and like EDM and like, you know, tech house. And like, you know, I was really just, you know, trying to be a music producer. And a lot of what I was seeing at the time, especially like I I would consider this like early days Twitter. This was like 2012, 2013. Um, Is that early days? I don't know. But uh, I saw a lot of people buying bots and follows. So I bought 500 bots and follows. And I was like, okay, I need to like boost up, you know, my Twitter following um, and get these numbers up. Cause I think I had like 80 followers at the time or something like that. So I bought 500 of them. And then I started realizing, I was like, man, my tweets are not showing up at all. And Twitter never took me off that little blacklist. Um, I did a, uh, I did a test and I was like, man, I am still blacklisted from that <laughs> like 10 years later. And after doing some research, I found out you really can't get off of a, block list like that. So I just made a whole new account. Coincidentally, at the time, though, I did start getting into cryptocurrency. <laughs> now, yeah, I, I was in there was cri- like a short yeah. time with you where uh, when you started your new one and I followed you, you mm. started talking about cryptocurrencies. And from like a layman's perspective, I know nothing about cryptocurrencies. So when you would tweet, I've I've described this to a couple people. I'm like, it was like he was a bot. I had no idea what he was talking about. And sometimes he would like mix words with numbers. Very much like if you've ever seen Brooklyn Nine-Nine when Captain Holt starts a Twitter account and he just starts putting out a bunch of different weird ass <laughs> numbers. I was like, dude, is Eldar a bot? What is happening? I promise I was never I was never a bot. Um, I don't know what it is, man. I just, uh, I just really got into the concept of like, you know, decentralized apps and crypto and like you know a different way of communicating with money um and that was that was cool that was exciting and you know i was able to um i think i think there is a marriage between games and web3 and like crypto and like metaverse stuff like that i think like you know the metaverse technology is something that you know the mainstream started listening to and hearing just because of mark zuckerberg's video um, <laughs> the, the fuckerberg himself. I, I don't have Facebook. I like <laughs> deleted Facebook because I'm like, oh man, like I don't. After the whistleblower, no, I can't. I can't do that. But the metaverse is linked with VR, gaming, and stuff like that. I don't think that's what the metaverse is. But you know, there there are these tendrils 
and there's, there's these connections between gaming and crypto. And for a while there, ever since like 2013, when people started talking about Bitcoin, I don't think that's, yeah, I don't think that's when Bitcoin was invented. But in 2013, people started talking about Bitcoin. And believe it or not, back in the day, there was like some portion of like the gaming industry and like the sphere that was interested in the concept. That's sort of changed much recently. Uh, when I started Polygon Studios, there wasn't a lot of hate towards the concept of Web3 and like crypto and NFTs and stuff like that. There was a lot of confusion over it. And while working there, I've seen the gaming industry, you know, sort of turn on on Web3 stuff. But then it's such a strange thing because, you know, Bob Saget passed away last week and, you know, John Stamos, co or, uh, you know, the co-star of Full House has an NFT pick. And I'm just like, man, there are just different ecosystems. <laughs> there are just different planetary orbits that people are in. And, you know, we just, I just, I just have to, I just have to live with that. And, it, and it's weird because now something that I am really interested in as boring as crypto and like, you know, metaverse and like web three and like NFT stuff is, you know, it's separated now from the gaming industry. So I am in these two ecosystems a little bit, but for me personally, the gaming industry was something that I was never really involved in on the journalism side or anything like that. And um, on Twitter, I was sort of a passive observer. So, you know, I don't have too much of a, I don't, I don't consider it too much of like a personal betrayal or anything like that, but it is weird being in two different bubbles, so to speak. Yeah, definitely. Since you, since we've already brought it up and everything, we're about 10 minutes in, we might as well talk about the topic of this episode, which is the, I guess, the incoming of NFTs into the game space, which I do want to preface this with. However much people have started talking about this in 2021 and now 2022, it's become a much bigger thing as people have like large publishers like Ubisoft uh, have started to move into the space. We also saw like a stalker was talking about it the developers of stalker and now we have like ea basically saying that it's a, a future that it's the future of the games industry and one of their future i guess ideals to strive toward going forward do you mean square enix or ea I believe, okay, so EA has said it and Square Enix has also said it. Like they recently said that it's also going to be part yeah. of their business moving forward. So we've seen many, many publishers talk about it and even like 2K and, and Take-Two Interactive specifically have started to talk about their interest in NFTs. Most recently, a lot of people have noticed because of Ubisoft Quartz, which is allowing people to purchase I guess there's skins and unique stuff in Ghost Recon Breakpoint that actually have their number, I guess. Uh, and I don't know necessarily, like, that's the thing about NFTs is I do feel like it's fairly complicated. So I don't think 90% of people who often object to it actually know what they're talking about that's why i wanted to do this episode but they have like their number posted on it and you can sell them on third-party websites only i think they're like two or three that you can actually sell them on currently but basically the the game space has started really talking about this within the past year or so but they have existed before and they've even existed within the game space since at the very least 2017 with games like CryptoKitties. Uh -huh. And which I find really interesting because 
nobody really ever talks about that. I had to do my own research to find out that NFTs have existed in games for a while. They're only coming up now because of big publishers. So I do want to ask you right off the bat, what is your, I guess, broadest opinion of nfts not necessarily in games but just in general about nfts because there are a lot of people who either don't understand them or specifically with a friend of mine believe that they're a scam that is uh, like that they're a scam for money laundering what do you think sure yeah um well i think taking it back to you know the first thing you hit on so yeah, Ubisoft um, incorporated NFTs with uh, Ghost Recon Breakpoint, but in my opinion, uh, I don't think they went about it the right way. I think that um, putting a 600-hour limiter on the NFT itself, and um, you know, doing it on the Tezos blockchain, um, which is basically so to to sort of explain, um, there are these different sort of side blockchains that work in conjunction with the main blockchain, which is Ethereum. Um, it, Ethereum is sort of the the language of how minting and how crypto sort of works. But the problem is the there are these um, there's this annoying little thing about Ethereum where to mint or really do anything and sort of just like interact with the blockchain itself, you have to pay gas fees. And unfortunately, those gas fees are upwards of you know anywhere from eighty to one hundred fifty dollars per transaction, which is absolutely insane. And so you have these blockchains like Tezos and Polygon, uh, full disclosure, I work for Polygon, um, that basically offer a cheap gasless um, alternative to um, transacting on the blockchain. Now, a lot of, you know, sentiment from the gaming side of things is, you know, there's this, there's this eco friendly narrative, which is very interesting to me for one. Um, one layer two blockchains like Tezos and and Polygon, and you know um, others of that ilk offer very eco friendly alternatives. You know, one mint is uh, the equivalent of turning on your PlayStation Five. I think like five or six times. It's nothing crazy, but if you were to do it on you know Ethereum, obviously it'd be pretty expensive and you know take up a lot more energy. So you see, a I think lot I've of, heard specifically the the one that a lot of people talk about is yeah. that supposedly NFT usage or possibly even like uh, just cryptocurrencies in general take up the same amount of power to like uh, I think it's like Power Argentina specifically. That's if you were to mint everything on Ethereum and just use the full bore of everybody's you know laptop to do it. I think that's a okay. I think it's an exaggeration. Um, a lot of anti-environmental, um, you know, or a lot of, you know, pro-environmental sentiment, which is very strange to me because, you know, traditionally in the past, the gaming community has never really cared about the environment until now. So I think it's sort of, you know, is a support to their, you know, anti-NFT argument, which is fair because there are environmental concerns that are currently, you know, there's currently a race right now in crypto to, to figure out. So hopefully it's not a long-term problem. But yeah, so going back, uh, you know, Ubisoft did, I, I went on a little bit of a tangent there, but Ubisoft incorporated NFTs with Ghost Recon Breakpoint, not the best way to do it. Square Enix, uh, his, uh, the president of Matsuda, you know, he came out with the press release not too long ago saying that they were interested in NFTs in the metaverse. So you, you know, you have confirmation that Ubisoft, Square Enix, EA for sure, have R&D invested in NFTs. Um, 
Konami recently came out with Castlevania NFTs, a collection of 14 NFTs. And um, we are currently at my company partnered with individuals from Atari that are pursuing NFTs as uh, part of a new blockchain division. And I think Peter Molyneux also from Fable. Um, no way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he raised $54 million for you know his NFT project. Now, jumping into the sentiment a little bit, I think that currently NFTs are unreachable for the average consumer. I think that you have a lot of people signaling how much money one can make off of NFTs, but the current JPEG implementation, which is just sort of a profile picture, sort of, you know, collect it or don't collect it, here's how many millions of dollars you can make from it. I think that is probably the low point of the technology. Um, it's really right now primarily for the for the digital elite with um, way too much money to spend. And yeah, your friend is absolutely right. Like NFTs and um, cryptocurrencies absolutely used for money laundering and black market and illicit activities. But um, I don't know if we are to blame NFTs and crypto for that because money. Yeah. Currency is also used for, you know, sex trafficking and like illicit activities. So it's it's that's tough. That's kind of a tough narrative. I think a lot of people compare it to a Ponzi scheme, though. Um, and a Ponzi scheme, you know, it sort of rises to the top financially. I don't know if really cryptos work that way. Um, so I don't know if inherently NFTs are a scam because, you know, you can obviously like own stuff on you know, the blockchain, um, obviously, like it points to a different location. So people are 100% correct. The image itself isn't stored on the blockchain, because that would be at the moment impossible. So right now, it sort of does link over to a, to a different place. But um, the concept of digital ownership, which I think are digital ownership is a buzzword that companies are going to start taking forward outside of NFTs to sort of, a, you know, kind of how Facebook changed their name to meta, NFTs are going to change probably you know, internally, like the name for it is probably going to be something a little bit different. But there is a lot of bad sentiment around it. And a lot of it is is true. But as far as but you asked me as far as how NFTs relate to gaming, the tricky part of that question, Vaughn, is that I don't really think right now NFTs are for <clears throat> well, to explain, I don't know if I've defined it really quick, but an NFT is a non-fungible token. And they're essentially just units of data stored on the blockchain that signify ownership of a digital asset. So like Hopefully, you know, everyone listening knows what NFT is. I think it's it's fairly common. But, you know, there's the optimistic, the pessimistic, and the neutral point. I think for gamers right now, a lot of gamers are pessimists because there's not really a whole lot of benefit to uh, the average, you know, game consumer um, when it comes to NFTs. I think for game publishers, um, there's a definite possibility of um, using NFTs as DRM. Uh, I think right now the... Most used form of DRM is Denuvo, which is pretty hated among gamers. Like, I think that's what Diablo 3 used. It's terrible. It's error prone. It's really, it's really bad. But in theory, NFTs could be used to, you know, confirm the game's existence on the blockchain and really prevent privacy. And I think that's a pretty major positive that nobody talks about. For game designers themselves, I mean, I think that... Um, since the NFT, NFT technology uses smart contracts, I think that game designers could eventually use it to make, this is probably my biggest thumbs up towards the concept, is that game designers could use it to 
um, not only improve, you know, server performance in some areas by offloading some of the, you know, games haul on the onto the blockchain, but they can really go past the point of NFTs as a gimmick by creating individual experiences on the blockchain. So sort of similar to how recently um, the DJ Blau um, and his company have paired up with um, Nas to produce NFTs, um, you know, NFT music uh, in the form of, you know, distributing rights through the blockchain and just bypassing the entirety of, um, you know, record labels and all that bullshit to just give the artist the compensation they deserve. Game designers could create, in theory, video games on the blockchain that just give them the money. They don't have to go to publishers and 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 stuff like that. And just it really bypasses and creates decentralization uh, for game designers to create interesting experiences. And also, I I'm, I'm calling it now Doom will eventually run on an NFT. And once that happens, I think that's going to open up the gateways to indie games being like, hey, here's a thousand iterations of this game with different experiences. Let's, you know, let's, 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 let's explore. Let's see what we can make. Um, but yeah, for gamers, I don't, I don't know. I think a lot of gamers attributed to DLC. I think that's how Ubisoft is doing it right now. And I don't think that's the right way to do it. I think we need to see perfect for IndiePod. I think we need to see a lot of uh, indie developers, um, you know, start putting together pieces of the blockchain on their games, you know, individual customizable and cheap ways for people to have unique pieces of DLC and cosmetics and just, you know, sort of have that individual experience that NFTs can offer. Um, but right now, it looks like, and a lot of this comes from anti-AAA trust um, gamers have always had for big companies like Ubisoft and EA and Activision, is that they think they're going to take NFTs. And unfortunately, what they're doing with Ubisoft Quartz isn't really a great start. Uh, they're going to take NFTs and just make it this uber, you know, uber expensive collectible that nobody can really buy. And, you know, it's going to ruin games because the deal, it's just going to be DLC and everything's going to be paid for, blah, blah, blah. And hopefully that, it doesn't go that way. That's why we need indie developers to come in and, you know, be the Thetan Arena on mobile or like Gods Unchained, which is like a really cool mobile card game on the blockchain. and Just like create experiences like that that aren't expensive to get into that are free, that give you unique individual cards. And like that, that concept, like, I don't know. I don't think we ever talked about like trading cards, but I love trading cards. Like I open up Pokemon packs on the daily and I get my cards graded at Beckett. And I know that the pot of greed I have over there, that's graded nine BGS. There's like, I don't know, 5,000 of them. And if I were to go into Hearthstone right now, the rare card I had has an unlimited value. And so it's kind of nice to know that a technology exists or could exist in the future that basically creates rarity and not in the way that Nintendo does it with, with artificial rarity, but genuine, Hey, there's a thousand of this card on the blockchain and that's how many exist. And it's rare now. And I think that digital ownership is giving rarity to things that we can't really necessarily get with like web two gaming stuff. Like everything has an infinite amount of value and that, you know, everyone has kind of like the same experience and, and stuff like that. And, uh, and, I think that in a in a world where people are losing the ability to purchase things, losing the ability to have ownership of of things, of of property, of of investments, I think that you know exploring. Are you saying that because we primarily license things instead of like actually own them? 
sure. Yeah, I think that we don't really own anything in Web2. Um, I think that we rent everything. And um, I think any sort of technology that pushes for us to actually own stuff, even if it, even if it just points to something that's ours in its early implementation, like NFTs are, I think, you know, whatever the technology ends up becoming in 10 years, the word NFT will be antiquated and its actual implementation will be something that people use day to day. But actually owning stuff on your phone and like in game, I think is really cool. And then I didn't even touch on this, but I'm running out of breath. But uh, play to to earn is also really cool because like not it's not for everybody, but Yosuke Matsuda, Square Enix mentioned that NFTs will make it easier for gamers to financially benefit from playing games. Obviously, you know, gaming is is an escape. That's how I play them. But if I could earn money, you know, from playing like League of Legends or something like that and not have to be, you know, a professional esports player, that'd be pretty cool. Obviously, this is all to state. I 100% agree with all of the, you know, the pessimistic case for NFTs. And I think that the environmental concerns and the the bad actors and the anti-consumer practices and, the, and above all, the economic risk are totally valid. I just think we're looking in the wrong place when it comes to NFT benefits. And that's really for game designers and game publishers with DRM and the ability to create unique experiences. So I did want to ask, you were talking about, you you referred to like trading cards and how in digital spaces you can legitimately make something rare. And you were talking about how with Ubisoft Quartz, you didn't think that it was very consumer friendly. Could you, I guess, elaborate on that a little bit? Because it seems like, I, I mean, this is coming from somebody who really, like the whole reason for this episode is that I don't understand this a whole lot. Um what exactly did you find wrong with the way that Ubisoft rolled out these different collectible things and and made them to where, like, basically what you said is that they're not for consumers necessarily because they did basically just, as far as I know, um, did they charge, like, an outrageous price point? I know that they did, like you said, they only offered it for a certain portion of time, which does create rarity it's technically just like artificial scarcity but i guess could you elaborate on that point i think that it's more artificial akin to how nintendo creates artificial rarity i mean for example like the fact that you do need to it's gated behind 600 hours of you know playtime is a little bit intense i think that i think i think that's intense like the main helmet is gated by 600 hours but oh, shit. yeah, you have to play 600 hours to do it. That's that's like that's bullshit. <laughs> yeah, I kind of rest my case there because no one's really going to who who's going to play Ghost Recon Breakpoint for 600 hours. It seems really tone deaf and maybe a tax write off for what I know. But I know that, um, you know, you can only pick up the free ones on, I think, three days, three calendar days back in December. And that's just completely unnecessary. Like what I'm saying is. I don't think that card rarity is artificial. I mean, even if it is artificial, it, it gamifies it and kind of makes it fun because that's sort of like the nature of trading cards. But I think the way that Ubisoft did it by a making it almost impossible to own it, but by gating it for people that have played the game by 600 hours or more and only doing the three rare drop on three days at or the free NFT drop on three days out of the year just sort of makes it that's anti-consumer in my opinion. Like they just yeah. have made it more difficult to purchase for no reason when they could offer NFTs on the, te- I know the capabilities of the Tezos blockchain, like they could have offered 
you know, a, a set of 10,000 to people to mint for free. And like, that would have been probably a better way to start it off. But I don't know, the, the global playtime limit, it's just, it, it just doesn't strike me as a good thing, really. I mean, that is especially absurd because of the like, I guess, I want to say outrage, like in quotes with what we've heard from the Dying Light 2 developers, where they said to complete the game in its entirety, you have to play 500 hours. And a lot of people in the games industry are like, how many games have you played fucking 500 hours of? Which is hilarious because a lot of people are like, a a lot? Like, there are a lot of games I put 500 hours into, but 600 hours into Ghost Recon Breakpoint, a game that arguably Ubisoft does not support very well, yeah. is pretty insane. Like, that's that's <clears throat> so excessive. If anything, that would kind of, like, incentivize people to fudge their playtime, at least for me. That's true, and I don't know if people have, because, you know, the, the launch of Quartz and then this particular NFT has not gone particularly well. I think it's only made like $700. So it's just the wrong way to do it. I don't think it's the way to onboard people. I think that in the NFT community, um, people have to start considering how to onboard people from web two to web three and make it fun and create something cool and like, you know, make it, you know, interesting for, you know, naysayers to be like, yeah, I'm having fun with this. And I didn't spend a lot of money. And like, I'm obviously, that's obviously what I want too from, you know, I've been playing games since I was five, you know, like from Sega Genesis. Like, I don't want games to be riddled with money and, you know, consumer anti-consumer practices. I want the ability for, you know, digital ownership to give me some unique experiences like creating. I don't know. That's a good example. Like if I could have a creative um, and fun experience on Fortnite sort of you know, on the blockchain forever. And, you know, maybe like an experience in journey that no one's ever had that I can have. Like, I think that's the potential for the technology in 10, 20 years. I just, you know, obviously these are, you know, some bumbling first steps that I find kind of controversial. Yeah, I, there are some other things I wanted to talk to you about with NFTs. One thing I've heard you say a couple times mm-hmm. is Web2. This is once again just showing my idiocy. What exactly is Web2? Could you explain that? Oh, sure. So um, tradition, not maybe not traditionally. I don't, I don't know if that's the right word. But um, the concept of Web1, Web2, and Web3 goes from decentralization to centralization back to decentralization. So how I think about Web 1 and 2, um, Web 2 sort of put everything onto platforms like Facebook and Twitter and Amazon and um, basically created the ad problem that we have now, the personalized ad issue that we have now. Web 2 was the formation of servers and putting people onto servers and the creation of social media and companies essentially owning information about you that can enhance the user experience. That is how I would summarize everything after web one. Web one, I think we're around the same age. You're you're a bit younger than me, but you definitely remember web one. Web one was um, everyone had blogs and everyone had a website and everyone had a server that they had to maintain and everyone had to be the content creator of that server. And if we've learned anything is that people don't want to run their own servers and never will. That's why we in the social conscious, conscious, gave control 
two companies and that's why we have web two now and everything's on platforms that we use uh, you know like i mentioned like twitter amazon web3 wants to decentralize everything um and web3 wants to create uh you know i mean it's sort of an a strange ambiguous term that's sort of difficult to evaluate what the ambitions are but you know it's um taking everything off of those platforms and giving people more ownership that's why you see I guess that's why NFTs exist. It's, it's an it's an attempt to give people ownership of their things because right now people don't feel like they own anything um, on Amazon, on Facebook. Everything is sort of off the grid, as it seems, as it were. Okay, all right that that I, that was a good way to explain it. Honestly, like there I like are a to lot think of, of it things. As generations, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's a perfect way to explain it. I was like, honestly, while you were saying it, I was like, I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. Not not right then when you kept saying Web two, I was like, I don't know what oh. that is. <laughs> and, and so, thank you for explaining that. There are some other things I wanted to talk about with NFTs. Um, so. Obviously, this is outside of gaming, okay. but and and when we end the conversation, I'll, I'll bring it back to gaming. But I did want to ask you, there's this kind of weird trend where people will post their NFTs on Twitter and then somebody will screenshot it and say they stole their NFT. As far as I know, is that actually possible? Because isn't the entire idea of the NFT that it exists on the blockchain it's not literally just the image it is that i guess the lineage of showing that it existed on the blockchain it was purchased through this thing and it went from hand to hand to hand mm. to hand am am i incorrect can you literally steal somebody's nft no you can't i mean if you could oh, okay no you can't if you could code you know <laughs> and like break into someone's open sea or MetaMask wallet, you could take it for sure if you are a uh, if you're a hacker. But if you were to screenshot an NFT, I mean, you have a picture of of a good essentially. Um, like for example, um, the concept of utility is a word that's being thrown around right now because of its uh, utility. Right now is a reaction to profile pictures um, in NFTs, which are essentially just like, hey, I have access to this to this club, right? So. No, like a lot of the resale value of NFT, uh, I would say 100% of the resale value in an NFT is the information that's on OpenSea and that's in your wallet. And if someone screenshots it, they don't really have a trail to it. Like it, the best way to explain that is if someone could take a picture of my PlayStation trophies, but they didn't earn those trophies, those aren't theirs. They just have a picture of my trophies or my achievements and they can't really do anything with them. PlayStation isn't going to send them, you know, various digital rewards for platinuming the last of us because they just have a picture of my trophy they don't have any sort of like connection to the actual trophy itself it's not theirs um it's sort of a i mean i don't want to get political all about it but uh it's sort of the let's go brandon sort of thing <laughs> it's sort of like this let's in go joke. Brandon thing is so funny <laughs> it is because they you know uh, for whatever reason you know that's the joke it's the memification of NFTs is I just took a screenshot of it, but you know, people, you know, you know, are just kind of like, I mean, okay, it's not as funny as you think it is because like you don't own anything. I think that people want NFT holders to be really upset about it, but I don't know if we are really that in on the joke to say, um, I think it's just a social thing. I think it's just, you know, 
a joke to me. Yeah, it's, there's also it's like a meme. It's just a meme, <laughs> essentially. So no, to answer your question, no, you can't steal an NFT by taking a screenshot of it. For example, I own a Dead Mouse NFT, and um, there is a sort of metaversal club where if it detects if if it confirms that you have you know the NFT of one of the heads you know the the, the dead mouse head there's like a collection of a few of them and if you own one it lets you attend like a private concert and if you have a screenshot of it that's cool there's nothing you can do so that kind of takes it back to utility and if games could implement that sort of utility like like I don't I just don't think enough people are talking about the concept of you know hey the developer of the last of us 2 neil Druckmann, is holding a private sort of developer talk for everyone that owns the quote unquote nft of you know platinuming the last of us something like that something that gives people ownership and access and you know i don't know if this is a word at all but the ticketization of digital goods is really cool um I do have to ask, do you think that like that, that ideal sounds amazing? Like, I really love the idea of basically being able to offer these unique perspectives into the, I guess, lives of developers or even just an entire side of the industry that you may not have been able to experience before. But do you think that that opens up the doors to that being gated by massive price hikes. Like you have to pay thousands of dollars to actually get into this because like, if we know anything, it's that corporations are really out to make as much money as possible. Do you believe that, or I guess, do you trust in the system enough that you would believe that if this was available in gaming, the way that you want it to be, that it wouldn't be taken advantage of by everyone? No, absolutely not. I think a whole, you know, a large part of being, you know, a video game consumer, um, a hardcore one for the past 10 years is that I, like everybody else, have a massive distrust of AAA studios. Um, I even have this sort of, you know, weird little theory where I don't know if gamers are mad at NFTs. I think they're more mad at AAA studios and how they're going to use NFTs, you know. Oh, probably. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to be mad at a touchscreen, but it's easy to be mad at Apple. You know what I mean? I I don't know if I really hope like Naughty Dog, let's say hypothetically, wouldn't charge thousands of dollars. I think that for the, you know, for the implementation to succeed, it would need to be near free and very community driven. And I think that's where indie games, bringing it back to IndiePod, are going to make the best use of blockchain technology. Because indie games, you know, like uh, my favorite indie game studio, Matt Makes Games, um, or I don't think that's what it's named anymore but you know yeah they changed their name changed like their last name. year i, I, I for, it's like totally awesome games or something like that i forget yeah, yeah. what it's called i you know or like yacht club even like let's go with yacht club i don't think yacht club's gonna charge a thousand dollars for like a developer meet and greet on the you know verifiable on the blockchain um i yeah. think that uh they'll they'll be very community focused very fan driven so to answer your original question, no, I don't trust AAA studios to you know be responsible with NFT technology, especially when you have Konami making you know digital auctions. That's literally just proof that they're just trying to gamify and like make as much money as they can. Instead, it's not the NFT that I'm mad about. I think the NFT is kind of cool. It's like a you know collectible commemorative box of like cool 
18 or sorry, 18, uh, eight bit, six bit, 16 bit <laughs> Castlevania moments. That is cool, but they're auctioning it off to make as much money as possible when they should just give out the NFT collection for like a mint of like 10, 20 bucks. So no, I don't okay, think that so Pachinko machine I, company is going to treat it very well. <laughs> yeah, I get what you're saying. Basically that like, NFTs are not necessarily the problem, even though a lot of people have kind of pushed the blames onto them. It's the way that people have rolled them out so far, a way that these AAA companies have taken advantage of NFTs. That is the issue. And once again, just falls on fucking indie developers to change history. You know, no big deal. Absolutely. Um, oh, could you imagine what the industry, what the gaming industry would be right now if like Braid and Limbo and like, spelunky didn't happen oh my god it would be a wasteland of just like financial greed and corruption and like xla xlna would never have happened and the indie push on playstation never would have happened and we never would have seen genuine gems like stardew valley and just like all these brilliant games that have changed the way AAA developers make games so it is up to indie developers and like smaller developers to really put the creative behind nfts so that it doesn't just become a financial wasteland of corruption from triple A's. Yeah. So if, if anything I think could be really gleaned from this conversation is that like NFTs are, I, w I would say, I think it's safe to say that they're largely misunderstood as to what they are. Like when I was talking to you about stealing NFTs, there are people who own NFTs that take it very seriously when you screenshot their stuff. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. obviously, I don't think you really understood what you were purchasing. You just bought it because it was the new craze. But of, of course, there's always going to be people like that. Yeah. But it seems like the the games industry just has not implemented NFTs incredibly well. And it's kind of like we need a suspension of disbelief as to what NFTs could mean for the games industry. Yep. If I, I think that's where this conversation is basically gone. Yeah, I think so. I think that there's a lot of fear around NFTs because of how big studios will use them, um, which is completely justified. I share it as well. I don't want whatever Ubisoft Quartz is. <laughs> I don't think that's the way to do it, but you also have to let the technology breathe and you have to let people, you know, you have to let higher ups at, you know, Ubisoft and EA sort of see like, okay, people want cheap and like cool and commemorative. They don't want 600 hours of playtime blocked off by like a ridiculous resale value. So yeah, it's tough to hate the technology. Um, I think that more we should, you know, people should be a little more aimed at NFT influencers then maybe not the technology itself. Okay. All right. I mean, I wanted to end cap this conversation with just some hilarious shit I've seen around the industry. Once mm -hmm. again, like if anything, this is kind of like a weird hypocrisy of the industry is that uh, I've seen a lot of people just talk about NFTs as specifically they say ape pictures. I want to let everybody know NFTs are not just these ass JPEG images. Like they're, they're that's they're, not just they what they are. <laughs> like they exist in so many different ways. And, and I feel like a lot of people are, I guess, being disingenuous when they talk about NFTs. And also one thing is like, people have kind of started to make it a joke that you'd own a digital item 
And they're like, oh, yeah, imagine owning something digital. That's so fucking stupid. You don't even get something physical. I heard somebody today talk about how they went through a grocery store, picked out a piece of art, go to a cash register and get a receipt that says they own it. Like, that's all you get. And I find that especially weird in the games industry because we at this point are used to like purchasing in quotes digital media we do it all the time Mm -hmm. but all it takes is like Fortnite to say that a skin doesn't exist anymore and you no longer have it people constantly are vaulting and and just putting things away so that they can later bring it back and make more money off of it so i i guess what i should say is i feel like a lot of the talk in the games industry is very disingenuous and what i would tell people to do is go to people like Eldar, go to uh, game developers that seem to actually know what they're talking about. This is again, a problem of the majority of people leading the discourse where they don't necessarily know everything about it. I'm not saying it's like a old man yelling at clouds thing, which I've heard several times. I don't think it's that, but NFTs, I would the the main takeaway from this I want people to have that listen to it is that a lot of people that you listen to right now, however much you love them, it's very possible that they don't know what they're talking about with NFTs. So I would recommend not necessarily like tuning them out. You don't want to create an echo chamber, but try to find people like Eldar that are legitimately experienced and understand what NFTs are and what they can be. So it's a different Eldar. It's, it's a oh sorry you were gonna you were gonna no, close go off that statement. Yeah, oh, you're good. A, a few thoughts I just wanted to get out of the way. I'll, I'll try not to take too much time because it sounded like you were gonna cap it off there in a very oh you're absolutely way. good. So I think that another thing is yes, the eight pictures have given a very strange look to like the NFT community, but I think those will. I think that portion of you know NFTs will be antiquated and kind of look back on as I mean, you know, once we start to see actual like you know, implementation of like good tech. Um, There is this, I want to get this out of the way because I don't think it would be a proper, I don't, I don't think, I think it would be a disservice to the conversation if I didn't mention a lot of, and this is where NFT, um, you know, optimists are very wrong about this. Game developers know what they're talking about. And when, when NFT enthusiasts say, imagine the concept of taking a AK 47 from Fortnite and putting it in another game that doesn't have anything to do with that game, and this this digital collectible of yours existing on the blockchain, going from game to game. For one, that in its current state is impossible. Might not be in twenty years, but there is no way for a handshake for a digital handshake of that level to exist right now. So, if you see that out there, be cautious of that because I don't think that that is. I think that is definitely a pipe dream. And I don't really think a proper use of NFT technology. The other uh, piece of advice I want to give you, because this is this is a this is a time in history where there's a lot of disinformation out there from both sides. Um, if you see just people on a show ridiculing something um, heavily, and there's no centrist or neutral voice there to say, but what are the positives? And if you see that on a really professional, I'm trying not to give the name out. If you see that on a really professional games journalism site, maybe think twice about the fact that you 
kind of are listening to an echo chamber conversation of two people that two or three people that are riling each other up on something that none of them have ever purchased or actually gone through themselves. There's a lot of hate, but I don't think a lot of those people own any of the thing that they're hating. So they haven't had the experience of it. And gamers, as far as I know, get really mad when people review stuff that they haven't played through all the way. So be cautious of that. That's all I'm saying. Okay. The I guess... To end off this conversation, I wanted to ask you, are there any, like in your experience, are there any content creators, uh, developers, or I guess news organizations like outlets that you would recommend if people want to learn about NFTs and, and what it could mean for gaming? I have three, um, all three different styles of where you can get some content that you know, you can kind of see that like the neutrality, the positives, the benefits and the negatives um, niche gamer. Um, some of their, you know, some of their article um, contributors sort of have a very, you know, hey, here's the bad. Here's the good of NFTs and games. Um, Kevin from Kind of Funny is a very neutral, very considerate of the possibilities, but also very aware of the negatives. So definitely an influencer that, um, you know, I think you know, knows what he's talking about, in my opinion. And then I'm going to do a shameless plug. You know, there is Polygon Studios. <laughs> I'm on there. Um, and pretty much everyone on the team, is, I don't really think any of us are like NFT diehards. We think the possibilities are cool. But we know that the eight pictures are ugly. And like, you know, we know that there's money laundering and there's a lot of, you know, bullshit. But we also love Assassin's Creed. So we're right in the middle. And I think that, you know, we, we might be worth checking out. Um, but yeah, just, you know, just think with the open mind, I guess. Um, that's really all you got to do in this, in this weird time of uh, fighting on the internet it seems to be like 90% of internet content. <laughs> okay. All right. So Eldar, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, is there any specific place that you would like people to look for you? Obviously Polygon Studios, I'm assuming. <laughs> Polygon Studios, but I'm also on Twitter at um, AtomicLX and I'm on Instagram, you know, Eldar Basic. It's pretty simple there. And uh, I just want to plug that um, I am working on a um, indie game development project. So, you know, stay tuned for that. Ooh, I'm excited to hear about it. You told me about it the other day. I'm, yeah. I'm pretty stoked to see what you're making. You'll be first to especially know, dude. because oh, thank you. I, especially well, because I saw you making like I believe it was like the voxel art a while ago that you were continually posting those in different places. So I'm mm -hmm. super interested to see what you're making. I'm but excited, man. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Eldar, for being on this episode. Thanks for coming on to talk about NFTs. That is the end of this. If you'd like to follow IndiePod, be sure to hit us up on Twitter at IndiePod. You could check us out over on YouTube. It's just IndiePod. Uh, me, Vaughn, I'm Hyde Legion on Twitter. And that's it. Thanks everyone so much for listening. And we will talk to you all next month. Goodbye. <laughs>